could he do that? Are you on What? Charles Darwin. The nerves is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Breber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we are talking NBA draft as promised. It's crazy because we had a week between the end of the NBA Finals and the NBA Draft. That does not feel like enough time. We did not get the draft season that we normally love to do here at Nerd Sesh where we do multiple mock drafts and we talk ad nauseum about every single type of prospect, our favorite international guys, our favorite sleepers, all that. We don't quite have that this year, but here it is, the granddaddy of them all, the draft preview podcast that you've all been looking for. So, Logan, I think it seems fitting that we start at the top of the draft here, and we've already gone into our thoughts on really the top four prospects. Seems to be the consensus top four guys for the most part. Certainly there's a pretty consensus top three. We've talked a lot about those guys. So instead of necessarily reprising all that, how about you just go out and you rank your top four guys in this class right now? Let's start there. All right, so I'll go rapid fire. Uh, number one, I have Chet Holmgren. Number two, I have Jaden Ivey. Number three, I have Paolo Banchero. Number four, I have Jabari Smith. And number five is a tie for me. I tentatively have Shaden Sharp or Johnny Davis. And the only reason that's Woo! the only reason that's a question is just because you know Shaden didn't play college ball. That's interesting. All right, we'll do a little Johnny Davis talk later then. So I have Chet one. I have Paolo 2, I have Jabari 3, I have Ivy 4, and I also have Shaden Sharp 5. So, I guess let's just start by looking at the dialogue that is circulating around the first overall pick right now, Logan, because it seems like, overwhelmingly, the projection is that the Orlando Magic will take Jabari Smith first overall. Neither of us have him as our top prospect, or even in our top two, so... What do you think of that? I mean, I don't think it's a horrible pick. I, and I do like Jabari's upside a lot. Um, the Magic desperately need guys who can put the ball in the cup. I mean, that's kind of the gaping hole in their roster, I'd say. You know, you've got an inefficient... Uh, he's a really good scorer, and he's really talented, but Cole Anthony's still pretty inefficient. Um, and you need guys who can space the floor with all these big bodies. Wendell Carter Jr. can't really space the floor. Um, I don't really know what the big man situation is looking for them next season if they want to move Wendell down to the five um, with Isaac coming back. So you need a deadly floor spacer um, like that. Like I said, man, I don't hate the pick. Like I think that in the right situation, I think Jabari could be something special. It's just the tape that we have on him. I don't know. I had a lot of question marks about um, about Jabari, uh, the – Mm -hmm. guard play at Auburn was pretty horrible, and that's why it made it tough to really gauge a whole lot about Jabari. But some of his shot selection, he you know didn't really get fully downhill for a guy with tools like his size, but he's a fucking marksman. And, I mean, when it comes to, I don't know, where the league is headed, Carson, you want big guys who are multifaceted and who can knock down shots. And that's what Jabari brings to the table. He's one of the best shooters in the draft. He's fucking huge. <laughs> he's got a decent handle, and... Um, he's a really talented offensive guy. I, I think he, I don't think he's, um, I, I think he struggles like getting into foul trouble defensively. He's not my favorite defender out here, but when you have a lot of good defenders, the John Isaacs of the world, Wendell Carters of the world, um, you can get away with that. I, I don't know, man. I, I think it's a mistake, obviously just not going with Chet. Um, 
I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't know if Orlando's doing this because they don't believe in him because they like Wendell Carter at the five moving forward. Um, I, I don't really know why they'd go with Jabari over Chet. I think that's a straight up mistake. I just like Chet and basically, I just think Chet's a more winning. I think he's a better winner right now, and I think he's going to be a a more impactful winning player in the future. So I I completely disagree with taking anybody over Chet. I just think he's an absolute home run. That being said, Jabari's a very good player. I just that's just kind of where I fall down on this is it's just I wouldn't take over anybody with other than Chet. I just think that is a straight up mistake. So I think this is interesting because the Magic, to me, should be in pretty much best player available mode, right? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you have a really high level and promising young guard in Cole Anthony. But regardless, you can always take more perimeter ball handling and creation. And they invested a lot in Jalen Suggs, so maybe they want to wait a little bit there. But, you know, the rookie year returns were not <laughs> all that great. And then it's like, yeah, I mean, I do like the combination of bigs who they have. I think that both Wendell Carter Jr. and Mo Bamba had really solid campaigns this year. At the same time, it's not going to keep me from drafting the best player available. And if I want big-time offensive firepower from the wings, I would just rather take Paolo. I think Paolo is a significantly more versatile and skilled and developed offensive player Mm -hmm. with a higher ceiling that is truly achievable. The thing with Jabari... And I was just talking about this with my boy Jason Timpf. We did a draft preview, hyper-focused on the top few guys that you can all go check out as well on the volume channels. The thing with Jabari is that, yes, he's an exceptional pure shooter of the basketball. Truly insane. 42% from deep at six foot ten, Can get a shot off from any angle. It doesn't matter how contested. It doesn't matter how he's moving around. The guy is a marksman. But in many other ways as a scorer, he is... Uh, significantly underdeveloped his handle's a problem at 610 he's upright it's sloppy frankly and he does not explode by people so he doesn't really get to the cup as you were saying and so it results in if you're going to try to run offense through him a lot of really really tough twos and he shot 43 and a half percent on twos this past year which is a really really bad number for a guy who we're talking about as the number one overall draft pick in what is a really good class a really good top of the class so People will attribute some of that certainly to poor Auburn guard playing guys not hitting him in his spot, and all that's true, and he's probably not a true wing at the next level. He's probably more of a hybrid guy, and you can use him as a screener, and he can pop and all that stuff, and maybe against some slower-footed fours, he can attack mismatches and get by those kind of guys, but... I just don't think he's like a 25-point-per-game scoring wing. I certainly don't think he's a run offense through this guy because his playmaking isn't there either, so... I see more paths for Paolo, who probably needs to be a little bit more careful with the ball as well and needs to be a little bit smarter about his shots and needs to be maybe a little bit better as a pure shooter. Nevertheless, Paolo, to me, has the tools to kill you from everywhere. He's a really, really good athlete at 6'10", 250, has insane power, can roll to the cup, can attack mismatches out of the post, can bring the ball up the floor and kill you as a pull-up jump shooter, as a driver, is a pretty good facilitator, especially for his size and age. And so it's just all those things to me say, yeah, if I were going to bet on one guy in terms of ceiling offensively, I think Paolo has the more reasonable path. I do really like Jabari's floor because I think that shot cannot fail, and I think his defensive tools are really impressive. I think his motor is there. He's long, he's athletic, he moves his feet well, he has good hands, good instincts. He's a good rebounder. All of that is like, yeah, Jabari Smith will be a good basketball player. But 
I just think, man, when you have your pick of the litter, he would be three for me. So I think it's interesting that it has become apparently so clear that he's going to be the number one overall pick. Obviously, we don't know anything for sure, but if you look at mocks pretty much across the board, the reporting is, yeah, they're going to take Jabari. That's just surprising to me given the kind of unique prospects that both Chet and Paolo are. So, do you have any more thoughts on that, or should we just kind of continue to peruse the top three, top four? I see we keep going, but yeah, I'll just add, yeah, I think you're exactly right about Paolo too, and I don't know if that's the thing with both of these guys outside of Jabari's. I just think they have more... I just think they have more things that they bring to the table immediately off the bat than just straight-up jump shooting. I, I think Paolo's... I said this earlier, and I'll say it again here because um, this is the actual pre-draft uh, pod, but I mean, I think... I just think Paolo is a just more impactful... I think he's a winning player from day one. I think Paolo does so many little things in offense and defense. Like, I just don't think he's going to be a liability from day one, and I just think that... I don't know. Again, Jabari's kind of pigeonholed is maybe a catch and jump shooter this first first couple of years, just a pull up jump shooter. Like, yeah, I don't know. We've touched on it, but yeah, that's that's the big thing. I just Paul. I think Paolo brings more to the table immediately too. I take both of them over Jabari if I'm keeping it a buck. Agreed. So it seems like beyond that, most people expect OKC to take Chet at two. I think that is the reasonable expectation at this point. What do you think about that? Chet is a prospect and what he could provide in that situation. Oh my God, I absolutely love it. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's a, to me, that's a dream landing spot for a few reasons. One, I mean, you just think about the young talent that they have for the future in Shea Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, and uh, Chet Holmgren. Um, on top of that, uh, the money situation there, like Shea will be the only guy getting legitimate money on this team for the foreseeable future. So, I mean, if Giddy and Chet pop in the next three years, you have a big three with potentially 20 to $30 million in cap space where you can go out and get a veteran who can help you win games. So, I mean, I think that, and with all the assets that Oklahoma City has, I mean, there's just such a, if they get Chet at two, because I think Chet is so solid off the bat and gets so much better as, is as we get into his career, I just think there's such an easy path for Oklahoma City becoming a legitimate contender. That being said, too, specifically to Chet going to Oklahoma City, there's just opportunity, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's no other impact big man. I mean, the fucking last season, Oklahoma City was running Isaiah Roby and Darius Baisley at the five. Like, I mean, we we were getting some Jeremiah Robinson Earl minutes at the five. You know what I mean? Like. There were no I don't impact. know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> he's a great player. No disrespect to JRE. <laughs> <I like> JRE. <laughs> so do I, but he's a role player. Like He's going to immediately be the best big on this roster. He's going to get impact minutes. He's going to get time to get better, to make mistakes, but he's going to be he's going to be a star immediately, and there's opportunity. Like I love any young prospect going to Oklahoma City, but someone that we are as invested in is Chet, and someone that I think is going to be great. I, I just think it's... Like, I don't know, man, Orlando's not that much different, but, I mean, Orlando has other young guys that are going to take touches, right? Cole Anthony Suggs. This is the Chet, Shea, and Giddy show immediately if Chet Holmgren gets to Oklahoma City, and that's probably what I like the most about it. What I think is important about this theoretical situation is when you talk about the touch distribution— I don't think Chet needs to be a super high-volume guy offensively to have a great impact. And I've said that I don't think he's ever an offensive centerpiece in terms of, hey, 
We're throwing him the ball in the post 15 times a game. He's a 25-point-per-game scorer. He's the hub of our offense. I think Chet is the ultimate fit-in, hyper-efficient, versatile offense, can kill you as a role man and a lob threat, can kill you from the perimeter with his three-point shot where he was 39%, can attack closeouts effectively, is a good passer, just a fit-in and pick his spots but dominate in those spots kind of guy offensively, and then defensively is where he's otherworldly. What I will say about OKC is kind of a dream spot for him in terms of you're putting him with two damn good playmakers. Giddy obviously has a long way to come as a scorer, but as a pure passer of the basketball, the guy is transcendent. And Shea, I mean, is the lethal scoring playmaking combo that makes him a true star guard in this league. So those are guys who put him in positions to succeed, get him the ball where he needs it, don't put him in a spot where he has to try to create a ton of his own offense, where he has to try to be anything other than the Chet that he is offensively, which is 74% on twos, 40% on threes, you know, get his 15 to 18 a night. That's perfect. And then let him dominate the game defensively. So I think he's the best prospect in the draft. I do think that this would be a, a, a good landing for him. I think it's also interesting to consider Paolo here just because it's like, Again, if you're looking for offensive firepower and scoring and playmaking from the wings, which is oftentimes the determining factor in a team's success and in big-time playoff aspirations and all that stuff, Paolo remains a really good option here. And, uh, I mean, I think it would work out quite nicely for OKC if they got Chet. It is kind of the Wild West out there. Like, you know, they're barely playing basketball sometimes. They're kind of just throwing people out there and everybody figures stuff out and you have freedom to roam and we'll see how that works for them long term and we'll see how that would work for Chet specifically but if we're looking at Paolo then at three to the Rockets what do you think about that theoretically well it definitely seems like the Rockets are gearing up to get um you know a big man of some sort after trading away Christian Wood uh I like it for a few reasons I mean I don't know, honestly, like, I'm kind of foaming at the mouth at the idea of a Sengun Paolo, uh, you know, two-headed monster in the post. I just, Paolo's got a pretty smooth post game, so does Sengun. They're pro- both pretty good facilitators out of the post. They're physically imposing defensively. Sengun's vert, Paolo's strong on the low block, is going to be able to defend fours and fives off the bat. Um, both have, de- you know, pretty decent floor spacing, like, I I really like um, I really like Paolo to to Houston, and a lot for the same reasons as Chet too. I mean, again, there's a lot of opportunity with these young guys for him to grow into his role, for him to get in command, a lot of touches. You know, I mean, I think obviously Jalen Green is the building block of the future for Houston. I think he should be after the second half uh, of last year. But uh, I think there's a lot of guys who are going to be really complimentary to him. Paolo setting screens for Jalen Green off the roll, setting him up as a facilitator. Um, honestly, I think it might be my favorite destination for him, Carson, because I think Paolo can play the four long term. Again, I think that the Rockets have their five for the long term in Sengun, too. I know he wasn't a premier pick, but I really like him for the future of Houston. Um, I, I love it, honestly. Like, I, I think it's a dream spot. And I just, I, I'm really intrigued at the, at the idea of him and Jalen Green getting paired up because I think that's a, I think it's a formidable duo of the future in the West, man. And uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Again, Houston. Like again, I don't know how much any of these guys really affect these teams right off the bat. Like I don't expect any of these right. teams to be remotely close in the fucking playoff picture. But yeah, they're gonna have a long rope, and I, I don't know. I I think that I don't know. I'm also considering like if Houston. I don't think Houston should go out and get Jaden Ivy. I just don't think you should take the ball out of Jalen Green's hands. I think Powell is the guy. I think he's gonna be great. But I I I, I just think it works. They. I think they might have a big three in Houston long term. I think what's really interesting is we can look at all of these top three teams and be like, wow, they are so far away. They kind of flat out suck. And yet you can look at all of them and say, wow, that's like a conceivable star duo of the future. I mean, there is that much talent and that much young talent in the league right now. And Jalen is absolutely of that caliber. Obviously, we know how ridiculous he was post All-Star this season just a phenomenal pure score of the basketball and uh, I mean I do think Paolo can fit in anywhere because I think that when you're looking at his skill set the comparison that I came up with him and I think one that you hear in a few places is that it's Julius Randall-esque I think the thing is he's bigger he's more athletic than Randall and I think he has more uses with an offense Whereas Randall is insistent on let me hammer the ball into the ground and force my way into the mid range and take a tough shot or try to create something as a playmaker and all that, there is a lot of versatility with Paolo. And this is where the other comparison I initially came up for was Miles Bridges. They're different, they're different size, they're different kinds of athletes, but in terms of being wing big hybrid who can kind of do everything for you offensively, Paolo has more playmaking. He has. Uh, more ball handling I would say more ability as a creator for others and a true leader of an offense and stretches but the thing with Miles Bridges is use him as a cutter use him as a roll man use him popping he can kill you in isolation he can do all these different things and just waltz his way into 20 a game and can really fit in nicely to a lot of different offenses and I think that Paolo has some of that same ability with also like hey I can go take over lead wing scorer with some of that playmaking when I need to. So, I mean, I think him and Jalen Green would be lethal, an incredibly talented young duo, and then it would be like, all right, let's get them a table setter. Let's make sure that we're actually defending on the wings, and both those guys who have the physical tools are motivated and engaged on that end. And then it's like, they're rolling, man. You know, then it's filling out the roster. They have young death pieces who I like. Josh Christopher's of the world, the Jay Sean Tates, the KJ Martins. I mean, there's a lot of talent in Houston, no matter who they land out of this top three. Like, they're going to be in an interesting spot and a promising spot, I think, going forward. And I thought that with the talent they had this year, even they could have won a few more games. They ended up being awful, obviously. But the talent remains. It's just very young and very raw, and it's kind of a chaotic basketball situation. All right. I want to give you a moment here to just get up on your pulpit because... We've talked about the consensus top three guys, and we've talked about what is likely to be the order in which they are taken, it would seem, but you do not agree with that consensus top three. You have Jaden Ivey as your number two prospect, so you've talked about it before, but I'll let you go in a little bit more because it's kind of your signature take of this draft. Talk about Jaden, and then also, from your perspective, what are some of the ideal landing spots and fits for him in this draft? 
Yeah, um, the consensus, and I don't know where this came from, I have seen so many John ja Morant comparisons, and there's just one thing I want to I say on this, and it's not like I don't see it, you know what I mean? Because there's definitely flashes and spurts and plays where you can say, damn, he looked like Ja on that play. Like, Jaden is an explosive finisher at the rack. The only reason mm-hmm. I am hesitant to do something like that is, I mean, Ja is literally a... Jaw's a point guard like we've never seen before. And, I mean, again, people, even with Jaw, we went, you know, to the D-Roses, to the Westbrooks. Jaw is literally one of the most efficient close-range finishers of all time. He's so fast, so explosive. Like, I just don't like giving that kind of comp out because Jaw Moran is one of the most special point guards to ever walk the planet. That being said... um, no, I don't see that kind of explosiveness with Ivy, but he's a damn good athlete. And I said this in a TikTok. You guys should go check us out um, at Nerd Sesh. You know, we make videos there. Really good content. Uh, and I did a breakdown on Ivy's game. The thing that I always touched on, and I said this earlier in the year, Carson, is in the mid-range, in the lane, out of the pick and roll, I just don't see anyone more developed than Ivy in this draft. And at the end of the day, when I'm comparing this to the skill sets of other guys, right, like... I think Jabari is just a far, like, I don't, I think the gap between him and Ivy offensively is, it's not even close. Like, Jabari is just so limited as an offensive player immediately than Ivy. Ivy is so good at drawing fouls. He uh, got nearly six a game. He's great at getting downhill. I just think he's a flat out better scorer of the basketball from everywhere except from behind the arc than Jabari. He can get downhill. He can do a little bit out of the mid-range. He's flashed that floater game. He's great at creating shots off of the dribble. I just think the offensive game is so much its so much better. I think he's got way more upside as a playmaker. His handle is dirty, and he's a great athlete. Again, Paolo and him mm-hmm. is pretty close to me, Carson. Like Again, I just think Paolo is going to be solid off the bat. Um, I, I just see, I mean, in the NBA today, there's a premium on guards who can run your offense, right? And I'm not saying there's not a premium on wings or bigs, but there's a premium on guys who can be the engine of an offense. And I think mm-hmm. Jaden Ivey can be the complete engine of an offense one day. I said at his peak, again, and I hate going with the jar comp, but I don't really know if there's anyone comparable as an athlete than him because Jaden is a good athlete. At his peak, I see maybe something between a John Morant, Damian Lillard type creator, and I mean that. Mm. Like, I I know that's high praise, and I don't mean that maybe he's going to put up the number, the counting numbers of those guys, the, I mean, you know, you have to put up fucking 30 and 8 to be on the level of those guys, but do I see Jaden Ivey averaging 25 and 7, 25 and 8 one day? Damn right, and I think he, I think he has playmaking engine of the future written all over him. Some of the player comps I came up with, like a small Jalen Brown, uh, more athletic Spencer Dinwiddie right now. I think those are more favorable comps. Um, but I, I think I think he's a playmaking engine of the future. And let me ask you, I mean, do you think I'm too high on Ivy? Like, you've done you've done similar homework on Ivy. Do you think I'm too high? Do you, do you see this future for him? I think Jaden Ivy has a very reasonable path to being a star. I think you're a little too high on him in the context of the – ranking within this class because I think it's a really strong top of the class and I would say I probably just have a few more concerns I mean I think he's a very legitimate shot creator I think the similarity that I see between him and jaw is the 
insistence on getting into the paint, the dominance as a paint guard, I would argue that Jaw does it a bit more based off of pure, unadulterated athleticism at times, whereas Jaden has also that change in pace, the footwork in the paint. Jaw has all that too, but I just think Jaw's a different level athlete. I think Jaw's one of the most special athletes we have ever seen in the NBA. And so I see that. I think he has very legitimate handle, very legitimate shot creation. I would just say the playmaking needs to progress. He doesn't have the feel, the instincts of a true point guard. I think he makes some bad decisions and is at times a bit chaotic and reckless as a passer. And I do think he'll be a solid shooter. It is worth flagging to me that as a freshman, he shot sub 26% from deep. You know, he's a 74% career guy from the line. He can create damn near any shot, but only 32% from deep in his college career. And he kind of has a low release point and he has a little bit of a hitch. So I think he's really good. I think he is the best guard prospect in this class. I think he is the best in terms of projecting as a scoring and playmaking lead engine. And I think he's a really good prospect. I, again, would just probably be a little bit lower and a little bit more critical of some of the things I could see limiting him. But I do think he's very good and is going to be very good at the next level. So, I mean, we're looking at the top three very likely to occupy those top three locations. Sacramento Kings are drafting at four, Logan. That's obviously your team and that's your guy. Is that where you would want Jaden to end up or where do you feel like he could thrive the most? At that point on the board... I think you have to go with Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp. Uh, you know, if that's how the top three goes, I just think those are the next two best players available. Um, unless yeah. you want to trade down or something or make a push for a star. I have heard rumors that the Kings are shopping the pick, that they are hearing everyone out. I, you know, I know the Knicks want to move up. I've heard the Pistons want to move up. The Knicks really want Jaden Ivey. So maybe draft night, um, maybe the Knicks and Kings pull the move. It's tough, Carson. Uh, as, a, as a somber, struggling, sad Kings fan, um, Jeez. I, it just seems like you're going around your elbow to get to your ass. You know what I mean? You move Tyrese Halliburton. Well, why would you, you ever out. do that, Logan? <laughs> you wouldn't. But if you're the Sacramento Kings, you're used to doing it. You've been doing it for oh. over a decade now. You move Tyrese Halliburton and you go out and get another guard in the draft to effectively replace him, you know what I mean? And you're not doing that because you get Sabonis in here. You still have Davion Mitchell, but that's what it feels. That's what it would feel like if we went mm -hmm. out and got Jaden Ivey because you had such a home run in Tyrese Halliburton. He's going to be a great point guard in this league. He's going to be a winner in this league. It would just kind of feel like a gut punch. But if that's the way the board falls, I would love if they take Jaden Ivey. Um, again, it sucks because I liked Halliburton so much, but Ivey is my guy, and... That's a damn explosive backcourt with Fox and, uh, you know, Fox and Ivy off the bat. I don't know if they want to start Davion and have Ivy come off the bench, but I mean, there's also, uh, it's not a bad landing spot for Ivy either, though, Carson, because I think initially, yeah, you want Ivy to develop those, uh, you know, playmaking instincts. He wasn't a point guard at, uh, at Purdue. I mean, he, it would allow him to play off guard mm -hmm. and develop those playmaking instincts over time as Fox still plays that lead role. Um, They'd be an explosive duo together. Again, I don't know if the Kings are making a playoff push with your big three of Jaden, Ivy, De'Aaron Fox, and Sabonis. You're probably winning around 30 games. But I've said this before, and I'll say it again. 
I just want the Sacramento Kings to play fun basketball again, Carson. And if Jaden Ivey leads the Kings to playing fun, actually watchable basketball again, I'm all for it. That's at the end of the day, that's all I want as a Kings fan. I want less Chemezi Metu and Damian Jones minutes, and I want fun basketball product. Um, kind of a shitty landing spot if you're Jaden Ivey, though. That's probably the last spot <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a strange dynamic there, obviously, because anybody playing co-lead ball handler with Fox is weird. I don't know. I've uh, We don't need to talk about the Sacramento Kings anymore. Let's dip <laughs> our toes into <laughs> the next little group of guys, because... We obviously gave our top fives. We both had Shaden Sharp fifth, who's a guy we haven't talked about as much. You know, we talked about the top four in our previous draft coverage, and then you had Johnny Davis tied there. So I think that that's really interesting. I'll let you dip into that. But I will say, I think that Shaden Sharp is a really, really fascinating prospect because he was a top three guy out of high school. And then committed to Kentucky, did not play basketball this year, opted to just spend the year preparing for the draft, which is interesting because going to Kentucky basically is preparing for the draft. And the precedent of Kentucky guards is pretty remarkable. But I have him at five pretty much just out of trepidation about, hey, this guy hasn't played basketball in a year, you know, and that's weird. It's weird in a class this strong to like have a guy higher than that. But I don't know. Part of me really thinks that maybe he should be at four just because the guy is like an unparalleled freak athlete. I mean, an unthinkable athlete, right? Where he is catching lobs and is a guy who you can put in the dunker spot and he can just vert it with authority. Like he is just crazy and coming downhill in transition is a weapon and he's a great pure shooter of the basketball. So it's just like with legitimate shot creation off the dribble too. And he's a good creative finisher. So, and he has the tools to be a really good defender. So, it's like when I look at that, man, you know, is a dude who could be a special scoring wing and a high-impact two-way guy. And the playmaking would need to develop, but it's hard to really judge that harshly when all we have on him is high school tape. But that's kind of the other thing, is all we have on him is, is high school tape, and that makes for a weird dynamic. But, I don't know. I... I would think about having him above Ivy, and uh, I don't think there's enough to do that, but I think Shaden Sharp can be really special. I think his ceiling is tremendously high. Yeah, I completely agree, and uh, especially on your first point, you know, I have him at five because we don't have tape on the guy. I don't know. I don't know where to put the guy. You know, I mean, he could be, I think another aspect that you touch on, you talk about how he could be impactful defensively as a scorer, getting downhill from behind the arc. I think Shaden Sharp has the tools to become a great playmaker too. I mean, he was not a bad passer in high school either. I, it's a different ball game. Mm-hmm. He is a freak athlete. He's a great scorer. Um, I almost feel like it's tougher on him in this situation. You know what I'm, we're just coming, not having that experience. Like it's, you're literally going straight to the league. Like, it kind of sucks for him because, I mean, that's a huge jump in competition level. Um, I mean, he's definitely, though, like, I mean, if you're putting a player comp on him, though, like, he's like Zach Levine-esque. You know, I hate pulling that one out, but when you're just talking about pure Mm -hmm. scorers of the basketball, freak athletes, like, he comes to mind. And I hope he's closer to that than, like, 
I don't know, J.R. Smith. Like, I'm just thinking of other high school guys. Like, <laughs> crazy uh-huh. athletes. But I obviously hope he's more Levine than J.R. Smith. But he's going to fall somewhere between that. I I don't know. Shaden, like, I mean, if we're keeping it a buck, like, Shaden very well could be the best player in this draft class all said and done by just being the best overwhelming offensive talent. I think that's completely within the realm mm-hmm. of possibility. Um, I agree. We just don't know. Like, I don't know. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the question that I think the, I think the Kings are going to have the first real board moving pick here. You know what I mean? They're going to have the mm-hmm. debate between Shade and Sharp and Jade and Ivy, and that's going to kind of set the board uh, the rest of the way. So I don't know. Like we gen, I, I genuinely think, and I think he said this, um, or no, no, it was Dyson Daniels who they said that maybe in 10 years, I don't know. But I think in five to 10 years, we could be doing a redraft, and I think Shaden Sharp could 100% go number one. I mean, and again, the kid's only 19. Like, the ceiling for him is crazy high. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about Johnny Davis, Logan. What do you love so much about his game? I don't know, man. When I was watching Johnny Davis, all I could think is, man, this is diet Devin Booker. Like, he is mm. just diet D-Book. Like, the efficiency um, is scary. He shot 43% from the field, 31% from deep, 79% from the stripe. Um, he cannot be that poor of a three-point shooter and get big-time NBA minutes, but I, I think he's a bit of a Swiss Army knife, but he has got a deep bag offensively, man. He is a tough bucket, uh, one of the toughest buckets, I think, in this class. And I don't mean it in terms of Johnny Davis is not an elite athlete. Um, he does not have elite burst. He does not have a, you know, great handle like again he's got a solid burst good step you know initially off the dribble but it's not crazy he's just great at creating mid-range shots and getting to his spots um I do think Johnny lacks elite touch I think the shot is kind of inconsistent now but you watch him with the post work he has got a beautiful turnaround game he's got a beautiful post game I think he's got great uh footwork he's got a good enough to handle to where you can give him the rock and uh, you know, put him in the pick and roll, get him to his spots in that way. And he's great at getting to the stripe. He averaged 6.3 free throws attempts per game. Um, he does get a little reckless, I will say, when he gets downhill with his handle. Um, this recklessness does kind of uh, lead him to drawing more fouls. He goes up hard. He does not shy away from contact. Um, and he's got a decent bag getting to the rack in the lane. Like, I think offensively, he's just kind of got a solid carved out mid-range game. Um, again, if he wants to maximize his game, he's going to have to become a great shooter uh, from behind the arc. That's just plain and simple. Um, but he does a lot of, you know, a, a little a other little stuff, man. I think two-way, he's an active defender, got some big-time block highlights. He stays engaged, jumps passing lanes, hustles. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, again, I hate going to this, there's something about Johnny Davis, man. I don't know if it was that Taco Bell commercial, man. <laughs> Johnny Davis has got that dog in him, man. I think... I just see a, I see a competitor, man. I see a feisty worker when I watch Johnny Davis play, man. And I really like that. So I've got him over like Keegan Murray. I know that's a debate. Um, I know some people may have Jalen, uh, Jalen Duran above him. Like, I don't think that's ludicrous. I really like both of those guys, but I think Johnny Davis is a, he's a tough bucket dude. And I think that's a little more valuable than what Keegan Murray brings to the table than what Duran brings to the table. Uh, Guys like this are tough to find, and I I really do. I think he's, I think he's one of the the toughest buckets in this draft. And again, it's not off athleticism; it's not off these crazy physical intangibles. He's just, he's tough. I love that post game, man. It it really reminds me of Diet Devin Booker. Hmm. Yeah. 
Good old Johnny Boy is a buck and a half. There's no doubt about that. He's a tough bucket. The thing is, when I'm comparing him to other wings in this tier, I think I see more easily translatable, yeah, that just works in the NBA no matter what skill sets with some other guys. Like, for example, Benedict Matherin, right? Freak athlete, well, you have, damn you have good Matherin, pure three-point like, shooter. Where do you have Matherin on your board? Probably eight, I wow. would say. Yeah, where would you have him? I'm looking right now. I think I have... I have Matherin 14. Why are you so low on him? I don't, like, to me, I don't know. He settles for a few too many perimeter jumpers. He can get tunnel vision sometimes. I don't think he's got, like, a great deep bag or great footwork. Like, I think I think Benedict Matherin is a great Swiss Army knife. And in terms of, like, little stuff that he can do, like, I think uh, my player comps for him, I wrote down, like, mid-Miles Bridges, athletic Franz Wagner, Me? like, Better three and D Tyreek Evans. I, I like. I, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of little stuff that I think Matherin does, but I just don't think he is anywhere close to the caliber of scorer that Johnny Davis is. I would say in terms of versatility, he is not. However, for Johnny Davis to do in the NBA, what Johnny Davis did at Wisconsin. He needs to be better at it. He needs to be a lot more efficient, you know, because he is 100%. going around and hunting tough buckets. Whereas Matherin is a guy who can just blow by people and can kill you with shots off the catch and can do enough out of isolation to get his own. Like, that's really just my concern with with Johnny compared to some of these other guys. And again, the other wings in this tier, I think that like Dyson Daniels has just such exceptional feel and can impact and control the game in so many ways on both ends of the floor. And honestly, I mean, if that dude shoots the ball better than he did in the G League, which I believe mm -hmm. was 25% from deep, which is not good enough, but his shot in no way looks broken. I mean, it could maybe be a little bit more fluid, but like, I think he should be a solid shooter. Dyson Daniels, dude, is, you know, 6'6 wing who can facilitate offense, super instinctual passer, pretty good athlete, real plus defender. Go ahead. So mention I just it, see. Mention it. Australian. Uh, uh, keep going. What do you want me to say? Bro did not mention the floater game. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, so that's just, yeah. I mean, I really like that intermediate and short-range scoring game of his. So I think there's a lot to like there. And then honestly, Logan, call me crazy. Call me a little bit wacky. But I love Ochai Akbaji. And Fuck yeah. I think Fuck yeah. Good call. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I just think, again, it's like explosive athleticism, great shooting, great defense. Like, those guys just work, and they immediately translate. And with Johnny, I do like his defense, but it's like he's got to be a better pure shooter, and I just worry that because he's not a great athlete, it's not easy for him to generate the kind of high-quality looks that will come more easily to some of these other guys. And then it's like, all right, well, Johnny Davis probably isn't going to be the centerpiece of an NBA offense, and so you get kind of this just awkward fit for him. So it's not that I don't like him, but I couldn't put him on the same level as a Shaden Sharp. I mean, Shaden Sharp you know, has been gifted by God. I mean, he has been blessed with some unbelievable abilities that I just don't think 
Johnny Boy quite has, except for the fact that he's in a Taco Bell commercial, which really shocked me for the first time. I was like, oh, what? Johnny Davis has a national Taco Bell commercial? But <laughs> that's interesting to me. That's a hot take. Logan, you love a good hot take, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, no, you make some fair points, and maybe I should have him more in the uh, Ochai range. Um because I think Ochai is going to be great off the bat. When I do have more, I do have legitimate concerns about Johnny. Like those are the, the athleticism concerns are legit when it comes to him because he's not going to get. It's a fair point. Every bucket in Johnny Davis's life is going to be a tough one. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, if we're it's a big tangent here, guys, if we're analyzing that Taco Bell commercial, I just like to say. I think that was the first time Johnny Davis had ever bitten into a Taco Bell taco. <laughs> I don't think he had ever eaten one before. Like, that was obviously, uh, as a journalism student, that was one take. They got Johnny Davis biting into one taco, and they called it quits. And he looked absolutely disgusted biting into that thing. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I. it's going to be tough for Johnny, but I, I don't, maybe I shouldn't expect it one-to-one because it's not going to be apples to apples it's gonna he's gonna have to work he's gonna have to shoot better because he's not going to get minutes if he steps out there shooting 42 percent from the field and 30 from deep um so yeah is johnny like is he more uh where i had matherin is he in like your just lottery range yeah i would definitely say so i mean just thinking about it i mean he's uh maybe 10 for me he's right around there and i think that there's you know a legitimate drop off between sharp at five and him down in that 10 range i think that outside of the top five there's a tier of three more guys who i would say are close enough to where you could maybe make arguments for them in the top five and that would probably be keegan murray dyson daniels and matherin and then i think that there's another bit of a little drop off and then you're getting into the Ochai, Johnny Davis, A.J. Griffin, Jalen Duran kind of tier. That's my thought. So, I mean, as we look into that late lottery, are there any guys who you feel particularly strong about? Any late lottery hot takes? Any guys who you're all in on or all out on? All in on is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a few. Um while we're on him, I really do like Ochai. I mean, even though he's 22, I think this guy is rotation immediately. I think he can be your seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth guy, and I think you can be a winning team immediately. Um, again, he's developed 22, uh, 19 uh, his senior year uh, on 48, 41, 74 splits. And you just look at the ways he gets his offense. He's a great spot-up shooter. But he's a really good pull-up jump shooter coming off the screens. He's got a promising and developing floater game. He's got great pace and control already out of the pick and roll. Now, I still question some of his decision-making and passes out of the pick and roll. But he's got solid playmaking instincts at the end of the day. Like, he is looking to make plays for other guys when he gets out of the pick and roll. If the pull-up jumper is not there, if they hedge the screen... um, He's a good guy out of the pick and roll already, which is a key you need to have as a ball handler in the modern NBA. Um, he's a good lob threat off the ball. He's a good cutter. And defensively, you know, he can defend three positions, long arms, strong base. He's a good rebounder. I think I think you're looking at a guy somewhere between Josh Hart and Malik Monk at the next level. And I think he's super productive. I think he has a long career, and I think he's a really good role player for a long time. So I would take – I would definitely take Ochai, Lottery, um, 
another guy that I really like too, Carson. You mentioned him. I'll get those two guys out of the way then too, because since you already mentioned them, I do like Dyson Daniels too. Um, good floater game, great touch as we already mentioned. Um, and I got him as like long Derek White with less defense. Like he just does, and I mean exactly what we saw to Derek White in this playoff run. He does winning things. Um, setting the table for other guys, moving the ball. But when he needs to get a bucket, Dyson can turn it on and get downhill. Um, 6'11", wingspan too. And he's a bit of a do-it-all guy. Like, um, both of those guys to me are are lottery steals. Since we already touched on those two guys, though, Carson, I have an extra guy. And I don't know if you've watched it. I don't know how much you've watched of him. Uh, this French fella. Uh, I'm not even 100% sure how to pronounce yes. his name. Uh, Ousmane Diang, right? Yes, I love him. I'm so glad you brought him up. I, I mean, dude, his tape is nasty, Carson. And again, I know he's playing in the NBL. Um, it is a grown men's league. It's legitimate, but you know, not top-notch competition. So it is hard to gauge. This kid's six ten, two hundred pounds, seven foot wingspan. He's only nineteen, and while he only averaged nine three and one on like 40, 27, 67 splits, there is a lot to be intrigued about. Um, He's got the frame, athleticism, and baseline skills necessary to succeed if he's developed. And, like, just the way he moves, man, the fluidity for a guy this size. He's fast, bouncy, and 6'10 with a handle, off the catch and off the dribble. He's got a quick burst, long strides. He gets downhill with ease. I already think this guy's a really solid or a pretty solid playmaker out of the pick and roll. The big swing thing with Usman is his is his shot, obviously. He's a spotty shooter. Like, he shot 27% from deep. And as we know, it is rough when guys get to the league and start taking NBA threes. You know, rookies just don't shoot the ball as well. It takes them a few years to get acclimated, or, you know, half a season at least. But when his perimeter shot is on, man, he is unstoppable. You watch, go on YouTube, yeah. you will be enthralled. Like, uh, Versus Melbourne, you know, he goes four of six from deep. And, like, he looks like a world beater. He looks like fucking Kevin Durant yeah. or something. That's not a joke. Like, against Australian competition, man, the kid's a freak. He flies through the air. He's fast. Like, I don't know, man. I have not seen many guys like this. The numbers are not flattering, and I think he is raw as hell. But if this guy is properly developed, man, his ceiling is insane. I agree, and I mean, he might be one of the biggest swing guys in the lottery range because, I mean, obviously the production is not nearly there. The consistency of the shot is not nearly there, but it's tough to look at a guy like him who is 6'9 with all this skill set, right? But plays with such fluidity when you're looking at him, so comfortable handling, so natural as a facilitator that you think he's like a wing. You know, you look at him and you think he's 6'6", but he's 6'9". I mean... He is damn impressive in his good moments. Damn impressive. And for that reason, I mean, I don't know. I just think, like, the shot-making and facilitating combo is so promising. But, of course, you have to look at the production, and it's literally uh, it's pretty poor. I mean, he's under-assist a game with the scoring and the efficiency struggles that you mentioned. So you don't want to be overly exuberant based on the good moments but at the same time you can't ignore them and think you get this guy in the right spot I mean you know he's crafty getting into the lane he's confident with the floater it's just going to be a matter of refining all this stuff but his shot looks so good I mean I can't believe how poorly he shot the ball because it looks so smooth and that's both off the dribble and off the catch so 
I don't know. I also like Jang, and I think he is a really high upside option. So some of your player comps really interest me, Logan. The Josh Hart to Malik Monk spectrum for Ochai Agbaji, I was not expecting. What, what about really, the, did you, did you, do you think in either funny? way? Do you think it's ludicrous? Well, I just think he's a much better athlete than Josh Hart, and I would be shocked if he ever has the reckless abandon and chaos that is Malik Monk's entire existence. I'm just very confident in him being a good player. I think he's a relatively low ceiling top 10 guy if he goes that high, which he probably won't. He'll probably go just outside, but I might take him, you know, in that 9 to 10 range. But anyways. Oh. And the Derek White one for Dyson Daniels is interesting. I mean, I think he's got a little bit of a different craft and he is bigger. I think he's a little slinkier, a little smoother. Oh do you want to, do you want to hear anyways. my other ones? I have like three other I have like four other ones for Dyson. Okay, sure. <laughs> Okay, this is maybe my funniest one ever. Floater game, Tomas Sadoransky. Dear God. Um, uh, better Dante Exum, just because they're both Australian. Um, <laughs> clearance rack, Josh Giddy. Um, and then a poor man's Lamello. Clearance rack. Um, clearance rack, Josh Giddy. Actually, maybe just Josh know. Giddy. <laughs> well, he's not the passer. I mean, no, Giddy is an insane passing prospect, but I think. He should be a better scorer. I mean, his shot looks better, and he has a lot of the same, like, in-the-lane stuff, and he's a better athlete, and he's a better defender, a much better defender. So I think as an overall prospect, he's probably better than Giddy, in my opinion. Wow. Um, if we're, a, you know, applying pre-draft thoughts. Yeah, and I did, I, I did want to make one more point on Jang, and this just kind of just goes for all the guys in the draft, too. Location is so important too. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I this goes without saying for, for the most part. But like, it really is down to a lot of these teams' staff and how much they work with these guys and who they get them to work with and the work ethic of the guys themselves. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I have another guy. The the two bigs. Um, I think that are up there for me. I really like uh, uh, the big out of Memphis. I, I like Duran. I, I think that. He really reminds me of Wiseman, if I'm being honest. Like, if we're talking about, like, straight athleticism and, and stuff like that, mm -hmm. like, he's strong, crazy long wingspan, vertical athlete, 7'5 wingspan, 6'11, 250. Um, I like Dern a lot, but I feel like he's getting a lot of this, like, outside of the, the bigs up top, uh, Jabari, Chet, and Paolo. I feel like he's kind of the consensus next guy. I feel like someone that's getting overlooked, and I don't know if he's – I'm not quite sure where this guy is projected, if he's lottery protected still or where – I think somebody's going to get a steal with Mark Williams uh, out of Duke, mm -hmm. and I don't feel like enough people are talking about him. Seven foot, two hundred and forty-two pounds. He's got a seven-seven wingspan. Um, he averaged eleven-seven and nearly three blocks a game on, I think, seventy-two point three true shooting percentage. Like Mark Williams plays a very simple game, but he plays it perfectly um, on offense. Lob threat, super efficient, just doesn't take bad shots. Again, it's stuff around the rim. It's easy stuff that he can just go up with and dunk or put off the glass. In transition, he runs the floor pretty well for a guy his size. Um, there's a lack of agility there that I think um, if he gets switched out to the perimeter, he's not a great perimeter defender. I mean, whatsoever, he's not super quick. Um when he does get beat off the dribble to the rack or stuff like that, he's got pretty good instincts in reaction when recovering when he needs to. Um, 
he does a great job of staying vertical when he's contesting shots. And I think immediately, again, I've said this for a lot of guys, I think he is a rotation piece immediately and should play. Like, he can physically contend with any NBA big immediately. 7-7 fucking wingspan is unreal. And he really is a menacing shot blocker. Like, he reminds me, Carson, this might be my wildest comp yet. I, I put big Robert Williams and Rudy Gobert. Like, when I watch Mark play, like, mm. that's insane praise. And again... Um, at the NBA level, um, it's it's so cerebral. You know what I mean? Like, Mark's, Mark's already a, a good paint defender. So much of it just comes down to instincts, reaction, and knowing, you know, p- uh, positioning, stuff like that, um, knowing where to be. So, obviously, to reach that peak, you know, I mean, you have to be one of the greatest defensive bigs of all time. But, I mean, size-wise and what they do at the rim um, – Mark's really impressive. It's hard, I think, really making distinctions between these bigs, Carson, uh, just because a lot of them do play the same role. But I think because of Duran's athleticism and how young he is, I just feel like a lot of the shine has gone to him as the next big. And if Mark Williams drops, I don't think he should. I think Williams will go somewhere between 10 and 14. I think he'll be lottery. But if he somehow slipped out of the lottery, I think that'd be the biggest deal of the draft, man. I think I think Mark Williams is going to be... As good or maybe better than Duran, man. I think his defensive instincts are there. Yeah, I think that he's an incredibly high floor option. Like, I really don't see how Mark Williams isn't a starter level big. It is tough for me to see him reaching like a true star ceiling, though. I mean, I do think he plays his role well offensively, and I think that, you know, there's maybe some promise with the jump shot. He shot well from the line, <laughs> and it's good looking. And you never know how different guys look as they grow into their game and get into an NBA offense and all that. And he's a a damn good defensive player. I will say, I think Duran probably has a little bit more of the eye-popping all-around athleticism and, you know, was more willing to try to tap into that face-up game and had some nice moments with that. Not that he was a great all-around shooter, but there were flashes of it. But, yeah, I mean, I think Mark Williams, the the spot that I feel like I've seen him mocked most is to Charlotte at 15, and I think that would be a dream come true for them. Obviously, you know, Kai Jones will always have a special spot in my heart, but I really do think that Mark Williams could immediately come in and, like, fill a lot of what they need at the center spot because you're not really going to have to ask him to do much that he didn't already do at Duke. It's going to be rim protection and rolling to the bucket, you know? So... Yeah, I think that's a good take. I think Mark Williams is is a very solid option. I will say I see how the lack of flashy upside could keep him from waltzing into some of those higher-tier conversations. Deeper down, are there any late first-round kind of guys beyond that lottery area who you feel particularly passionate about, Logan? Uh, there's a few guys. I want to give a shout-out to one more, like, fringe lottery guy or somewhere in there. I do like Ty Ty Washington. Um, he kind of reminds me of like better Emmanuel quickly. I, I, that's kind of my, your favorite player in the NBA. <coughs> yes. My favorite player in the NBA is Emmanuel quickly. Uh, I think Ty Ty is a better playmaker. Um, good decision maker, good initiator. Um, maybe he goes G league first year. I don't know. I think he's got, um, I think he's got bench point guard written over him and all over him. And I think, uh, I think he'd be a solid option for somebody. Um, I like Bochamp out of, uh, uh, off the ignite, man. Like, I think that 
he is pretty raw, but there's a lot of promising stuff, man. Getting downhill, he's he's got bounce. He's got a quick first step. He's got a pretty good handle for a guy his size. He's about 6'5", 200. Um, like, he's... He's a good scorer right now. He's a good rebounder. The shot has to come along. Um, he's got a seven foot one wingspan. He's a good defender, but he shot twenty four percent from behind the arc. Uh, you're not getting PT if you're shooting like that. But I, mm-hmm. he's physical, man. He's and he's good on both ends. Like he just has to shoot better. Like I think there's just a lot to like from him all around, just except for the shot. He's great at getting downhill. He is a little older, I will say, because most of the Ignite guys are fresh out. Uh, Bochamp is 22, but um, he's a good two-way piece, and I think he's, again, the shot has to come along for him to get PT, but he does a lot of stuff really well, and defensively, um, I, I think he's a really good asset. Nice. You know who I like? Nikola uh, Jovic. Now, fucking course you do. You know why? No, please enlighten me. His name is really similar to Nikola Jokic. (laughs) 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 I do actually like his game. I mean, I think he's he's a smooth criminal from the perimeter. You know, I mean, at his size is a pretty impressive shooter and really comfortable (laughs) handling and a really nice passer and just a fluid mover overall. And he's a Serb, and you got to love that. I don't know. I mean, he's got a nice little array of shot creation tools, I think. And he's going to go probably late, like late, late first round. He intrigues me. Who else do I really like in the late first round kind of range? Hey, yo. While you're thinking, I got one more. Okay. I like Kennedy Chandler out of Tennessee. He is undersized. You know, he's like, I don't think he's six foot. He's like 170. Obviously, those are red flags just size-wise. Is he going to be able to defend at the next level to uh, be worth playing on the floor? Offensively, though, man, there is a lot to like with him. He's fast. He's great out of the pick and roll. He's got good change of pace. He's a real true playmaker. Um, He's a a really good shooter, man. Shot uh, 41% on catch-and-shoot attempts. He's got a a really nice pick and roll. I mean, uh, excuse me, nice pull-up game. And... Defensively, like like I said, man, he is undersized, and we'll see at the NBA level. He did average two point one steals per game in college, so uh, I don't know. I think I think he needs more of a mid range. Like I think he needs a floater. He doesn't go to it a whole lot. Again, pulling up from deep and pulling up in the mid range is his bread and butter for a guy his size. I think he has to develop a better floater, but he's quick, man. He is quick out of the pick and roll, and he has got a dirty handle. Like if you squint. He kind of looks like like short Tyrese Maxey. Like if you squint really hard, because it's not close. Well, why right? would you just, squint while you're watching basketball, Logan? Why wouldn't you just watch it with your eyes open? Uh, what if you were like really far away from the TV? Um, Yeah, I guess maybe then. <laughs> yeah, I'd consider it. All right. Well, as we wrap up here, give me a team or two you're really interested in seeing how they handle the draft. Um, I'm well, like I mentioned earlier, I am interested in seeing what the Knicks do because I think this is a very talented draft. Um, and I think with where they're at, 
um, with the Julius Randle contract, star talent kind of turning over. Um, I'm intrigued to see if they're going to move up. Um, I'm interested in what Detroit is going to do at five just because you've got Cade, you've got Stewart, you've got Sadiq Bey, mm-hmm. um, and you've got Marvin Bagley as a restricted free agent who I do like in Detroit. Um It'll be interesting to see if they go, if they get Shaden there, if they get Jaden, um, mm-hmm. who they go with. But I think there's a lot of intrigue there. And honestly, as a sleeper at 22, I'm really interested in seeing what Memphis is going to do. Well, actually, probably 21 mm. and 22, Denver and Memphis. Um, Denver, just because I just like, I just like thinking <laughs> my uh, <laughs> my sick pleasure is just thinking about people alongside Nikola Jokic. Um, so that's just a lot of fun. Um, maybe we could get Nikola Jovic and Nikola Jokic. That would literally make me lose my mind. Um, maybe the Nuggets get Ty Ty Washington there. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, but at 22 with the, uh, with the Grizzlies, I'd, the only reason I bring them up, I, I think it'd be, I want them to take that first round pick and I want them to move up and get, I want them to get Diang, if I'm being honest, bro. I want them to get Diang. The only reason I say that I saw what they did with Zaire Williams giving him minutes, they already kind of have a mm-hmm. sound out rotation. I just want Memphis to get that last asset for Ja to put them over the hump and make them genuine contenders. And I think about them landing somebody. And like they have Dieng. the 29 pick to package with 22. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love that. You take one of your one of your bench guys. I don't know, say Kyle Anderson. No disrespect to Kyle, just picking a random guy. 22nd, 29th pick, Kyle Anderson, 22nd, 29th, somebody else from the bench, get Dylan Brooks' bum ass off the team. You know what I mean? Um, something like that and to move up and take a swing. And I know they took a swing last year with Zaire Williams, and I think it's going to pan out somehow. And I don't know if Zaire's a star, but he's a solid player. Um, a guy like Jiang, man, I want to see him go to Memphis just because I think – He's kind of the last guy that I can see popping. You know what I mean? Or or Dyson mm-hmm. Daniels maybe um, would be another legitimate option. But uh, Memphis and Denver, I'm really interested at at those two spots. Like those, and I will say, I mean, if Memphis does have two first rounders, then that makes it interesting as well. Just because obviously looking for quality guys to continue to round out that rotation. Not that it's really that their rotation needs rounding out. I agree. I think that they need another really high level shot creator probably so we don't have to watch the goddamn Dylan Brooks show again because <laughs> I've had more than enough of that. I agree with all your choices. I'll throw out a couple more. I think the Hornets are really interesting to watch because they go 13 and 15, and I think that they're in a spot where obviously they're close in some ways. They're a good basketball team, and they're a very young basketball team, but obviously they still need to improve and jump into that next tier, and I think that you obviously look at the center spot as – a whole, and I think that they could try to address that with Mark Williams at 13 or 15, maybe Duran if he's there at 13, and then I think they'll have a pretty nice selection of uh, wings in that range too. If it's, you know, for that first pick at least, if it's Ochai or Jang, or if maybe Johnny Davis or AJ Griffin slip a little bit, and you can always add more good athletic sharpshooting two-way wings so I think they're interesting I think New Orleans is also really interesting that they're picking eight because I mean obviously that was a damn good basketball team down the stretch last year 
without Zion Williamson. And you get Zion back now, you get a full year of CJ. We know that they're committed to the defensive end of the floor. They have offensive talent, and now you're picking top eight in a really good draft. I mean, again, you have a really nice selection of wings potentially here. You could maybe get the playmaking of a Dyson Daniels or maybe, you know, a Matherin slips and you get his shot-making and athleticism. What do you think about a guy like Keegan Murray? Well, that's who I was about to mention. I think that would be a little bit awkward in the front court. That's a lot of size if they're playing Valanchunas, Zion, and Keegan Murray. But And it's kind of awkward defensively, although I do think Murray is versatile and switchable and just damn good overall defensively, plays hard, really good defensive playmaker. I don't know. That's kind of a – it's just kind of a big front court. And B.I. obviously out there too. I was thinking, I don't know, what if you start Herb Jones, move Keegan to the bench, something like that? Yeah. That's not implausible. Wow. Jeremy Grant just got traded to Portland. (laughs) What? For a 2025 first-round pick. Interesting. Yeah. Good for the Blazers, I guess. They'll win another three games next year. Any other draft thoughts here? Or do you want to say something about Jeremy Grant? It's Jeremy Grant. Who cares? What a freak. Yeah, bro, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I do not want to say anything about Jeremy Grant. <laughs> okay. Well, do you have any closing draft thoughts? Um. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the start of Oklahoma City's run. You know, They've got a. <laughs> they've got three first round picks this year. Dawn um, of the Thunder. I think they've got. Um, here, let me do math. Uh, I think they've got ninety over the next three drafts. Uh, so gear up. Um, yeah. It's, it's going to be fun. The Thunder are going to have hundred and forty seven guys under contract next season. It's incredible. And Sam Presti is going to line them all up, and he's going to froth at the mouth, and he's going to have them all do standing three point <laughs> shooting. And whichever one of them gets the the top 15 of them get on the team. I imagine that's how it's going to be determined. Or maybe he has them do a three-quarter court sprint or something. I don't know what that guy does, but he kind of freaks me out, man. Why do you need so many draft picks? And then they're going to write a movie about him, and they're going to call it Moneyball. I think, well, I don't know about that. I've never heard of anything like that. But what I will say is I think it says a lot about Sam Presti because he's got to be – a grass-is-always-greener kind of guy, right? I mean, he's got to constantly be dangling the freaking carrot out in front of himself. Oh, the future's so bright. The future's going to be so great. The future's going to be so great. I mean, obviously, they've won a lot of games in OKC over the years. I mean, it's... Jeez Louise, man. It's genius. Says you. What are they going to do with 52 draft picks? Bro, draft picks are just inherent. Bro, he's cornering the market, Carson. The Los Angeles Lakers, like... Bro, Great, this is turned into an econ lecture. Bro, they're... <laughs> Carson, there are going to be teams lining up at Sam Presti's feet to make deals for those picks, bro. Are you kidding me? Supply and demand, baby. He's cornering the market. He's driving up the prices. I think Sam I'm Presti's I'm interested in seeing what genius. the dubs do. Now, let me tell you something, Logan. And let me tell it to you straight, all right? The Dubs are in an interesting spot. They need wings, and they're probably going to need a center because the Otto Porter Jr., GP2, and Looney situation is unfortunate. They are certainly not keeping all three of those guys. 
They're probably not keeping more than one of those guys. So I will say I think Walker Kessler could be an interesting option as a big. I mean, it's also going to be fascinating to see what Wiseman's like. Good God. Or, I mean, obviously there's always kind of wing selections in any range, but I think it's really interesting what they do. And they got to get guys who are ready to play now a little bit. Maybe I might look at a Christian Brown. Maybe that's too high at 28, but I don't know. I mean, I like the shooting and the athleticism. And as we all know, he's got that dog in him. But it's going to be fun, man. I mean, obviously it always is. This is a really interesting draft. I don't think that we can expect the top to be as good as last year's. The top four from last year is insane. I mean, I think it could go down as one of the best ever if guys continue on the development trajectory that they should. But we have really distinct prospects at the top of this class, guys who in previous years just haven't existed. You know, players at the size. I mean, the top three prospects in this draft are 6'10 plus and all highly skilled, like versatile basketball players you know it's just crazy the direction that the game is headed and it's going to be a fun one so fasten your seatbelt and uh, hold on tight baby because it's going to be a long bumpy ride i don't know what that was in reference to i have a final question okay. for you though um yeah yeah so like, i mean out of those three guys who would you most want to keep as a warriors fan who do you think is most important to winning next season Looney. Great answer. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's probably Looney. I just think that, especially given the state of the roster, like they so desperately needed a competent big, and he was there. Whereas they could survive stretches where Otto or GP2 was hurt. They really could not, without Looney, at least available to give them 15 to 18 minutes a night. So... Maybe that changes with Wiseman back, but I don't know. Who knows if Wiseman will ever play basketball again. All right, low gangster. Logan, the toboggan, my sweet, dear old friend. Our time has come to an end on our draft preview podcast. It was fun. It was long. It was bumpy. It was a bumpy, bumpy ride. But we're done now. So, everybody, tune your tubes up. Tune your tubes up, baby. Channel 47 is probably where the draft will be depending on where you are, maybe channel 53. I've gotten really, really weird with the outros recently, but I kind of dig it. So you guys know where to find us. It's all over the internet, the interweb. You can find us on TikTok, especially Nerd Sesh. That's the name of the game, and that's where we make a lot of content. You can find us on Twitter at nerd underscore sesh, Instagram at nerd sesh. Uh, and really... I think the place that we would most like to shout out, along with our TikTok, where we are making the most regular content, beyond, of course, the pod, which you can catch on all podcasting platforms, is Sobet. We've talked about Sobet before. That's S-O-B-E-T. We are making exclusive content for them over there, largely betting-oriented stuff. We both did pretty darn well during the NBA Finals, handing out some picks. It's a subscription service, and obviously it is not just us. There's an entire network of really informed and engaging sports betting experts you can go and get your daily quota of picks from and go out there and make yourself some Skrilla, baby. I just handed out some NBA futures. Obviously, no more live basketball to bet on, but always 
basketball and football things to bet on. So if you want more nerd sesh content, and if you want just really good sports and sports betting content overall, head over to SoBet. Actually, I would recommend you go through our TikTok, which is again at Nerd Sesh, of course. We've got a link in our bio. It's a referral code, and it'll say that we sent you over there. So do that if you want. And as always, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Appreciate the heck out of you all. And with that, I have been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh. <laughs>